So today, I'm excited about this. This has been a message actually that um, has been on my mind and heart for a little over a year now. I actually sat in a Starbucks um, early last year and wrote this message, not really knowing if and when or what I would ever do with it, but it was just something that God's been stirring in my heart, and it's what I want to share with you today. The question I want us to think about this morning is, how often do you think about what you think about? How often do you think about, someone's raising their hand in the back, that's good. How often do you think about what you think about? And how often do you think about how you think about it? Is that deep? Now, I have to confess, I was a psychology major, so I probably think too much about what I think about, and I probably think too much about how I think about it, and Jason thinks I get way too in my own head sometimes, so... Maybe nobody else does that, but I know that I do for sure. So today I want to talk about, the title of the message today is Mental Furniture. And I'm going to explain what that is, um, but that's our message today. And I want to start with this scripture. Can you bring up my, thank you. That was what that nod was for, in case you didn't, yeah. I gave a subtle nod, but it was apparently too subtle. That's okay. Let's look at Psalm 139, verses 1 and 2. It says, you have searched me. Can you put it over here? You have searched me. <laughs> no problem. Sorry. We can edit this from the podcast. Is that how it happens? Yeah, it is exactly. Over there now? Can you move it like, no, I'm just yeah. kidding. No, that's good. <laughs> Psalm 139, 1 and 2. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. And then verse 23 and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So today um, we are talking about the place where you spend most of your time. Well, actually where you spend all of your time. This place affects how you think, how you behave. It affects how you react. It affects how you understand what happens to you. This place, my friends, is your own brain, okay? You are stuck with it for life, your head. And today I want to talk a little bit about the landscape of your mind and my mind, the landscape of our minds. Did you know I did a little research. How many thoughts do you think we think a day? I didn't count them myself. Like I didn't spend the day with like a little clicker. But researchers estimate that we think anywhere between 50 to 70,000 thoughts a day. Did, were you close, Tom? I saw you looking like you were like, oh yeah, I knew that. Oh, oh, that's okay. So that's, I mean, this is all an estimate, right? Because some thoughts are just, you barely even know they're a thought. You don't even know you thought it, but you, you thought it, right? So that's between 35 and 48 thoughts per minute. So you're sitting there, you're going, I'm hot, I'm cold, I have to go to the grocery store for milk. I mean, those are all, your mind is just full of thoughts. So some of those thoughts are just fleeting thoughts that you don't even notice. So if we're talking about the landscape of your mind, picture some of these thoughts would be like birds that fly through land for a moment. You know, I have to pick up the dry cleaning and then, you know, fly off again, right? Some of those thoughts are more permanent fixtures, in our minds. Now remember, 
I studied psychology. I love this stuff. So I hope that this doesn't get too woo-woo or whatever, but I enjoy this. So, okay, some of those thoughts are like birds. Some of those fifty to 70,000 thoughts are more common thoughts. They're, more, they're like attitudes. They're like mindsets that you have day after day. They're what you focus on. So we're going to look at some scriptures that talk about our thought lives and talk about what they mean. And my hope is today that you and I can take a look at the mental furniture we have and rearrange it if necessary. So picture your mind like a living room, okay, populated. Some of these thoughts and mindsets and attitudes, think of your mind like a living room populated with mental furniture. Now this is an actual chair from my actual house, so... Jason was like, this morning, like 7.30, I'm like, okay, I need you to pick that chair up and get it into the car, and it's like pouring rain. He's like, okay, that's great. Anyway, so mental furniture. This is a combination of our experiences that you've had in your life, the choices you've made, and mindsets. Now, what's a mindset? Here's a good definition if you're like, okay, what is that exactly? A mindset is an established set of attitudes that you hold. So it's not just one thought. A mindset is a cluster or a group of thoughts that you have about something. You have a mindset about your education. You have a mindset about your family. You have a mindset about your faith. And think of that mindset as a piece of furniture in your brain. Got that? Are we good? Okay. Some of this stuff... Some of this mental furniture is good stuff. Some of it's things we welcomed and invited into our lives. Some of it's bad stuff. Some of it's things that happened to us that we didn't choose, an experience you had, a trauma that you went through. But all of it becomes a piece of furniture in your brain, right? Okay. Are you picturing your brain with little coffee tables in it? I hope you are because I am. Okay, good. You're like, mine's more of an Ikea modern sensibility and... You know, whatever. That's fine. You, you, you have your mental decor like you prefer. So picture a chair in your house, maybe a real chair in your real house, right? Even if you don't sit in it very much, it's always there. It's just there. And if it wasn't there, when you walked into the room, immediately you would feel like something's changed, something's different. You'd notice immediately if it was moved or if it was gone. So these are mindsets. These are past experiences who have shaped who we are. And we all have this kind of mental furniture. We've all had stuff happen to us, good and bad and not so good, right? And sometimes, just like in your real living room, you don't get to choose all the furniture that you have. You know, in our very first apartment, um, Everything we had was given to us, or uh, we literally picked it off off the side of the road. Have, has anyone ever, have you done that? Okay. This is before I knew anything about bed bugs. Now I'm, you know, like much more careful. But Jason and I got really good at curbside scavenging. And we, even in Australia, we would go around, and half of the stuff in our house, we literally shoved into the back of our car because somebody had put it out on the street, right? So, and now actually it's not that much different. So we are those people, just so you know. If you come to our house, you could be like, so where did you find that piece of furniture? So some things that are in your mental 
living room. Maybe you didn't choose. Maybe you inherited it. Maybe you inherited it and you had to find a place for it, just like in your real house. Nevertheless, we all have mental furniture. We may not always get to choose the furniture that we have in our minds, but we can choose how often we sit there. And I'm going to go into more of, of what I mean. I'm kind of setting the stage here, and we're going to get into the, the scriptures in just a moment. So for me, I, or for you, I want you to think about what's a piece of mental furniture in your brain? What's an experience you've had or something you've been through or a part of your life that is just, it's a part of your mental landscape. It's something that is continually in your heart and on your mind, something you've been through. For me, I have a lot. I have a very crowded furniture store in my head, okay? But I was going to tell you about one today. For me, a piece of my mental furniture is uh, my experience with breast cancer. So most of you probably know, if you've been here a little while, I had cancer a few years ago. Um, Very unexpected, basically a year of our lives that we spent um, dealing with that. And I'm very fortunate that it was just a year. And then it's something that is, you know, I got past. However, I don't always talk about it, but my breast cancer is part of the landscape of my life. Um, It's like a big armchair in my mental living room. And even though I don't always talk about it, even though I don't always sit in it, it's there. I think about it in some form or fashion pretty much every single day. Okay, so you may not have that kind of thing, but you've got something in your life that's like that that you've been through, that you've experienced, that you're currently dealing with, where it populates your mind like a couch, right? Like an armchair, like, you know, a big weird potted plant in the corner that you don't know what to do with, okay? So usually this chair for me is kind of pushed off to the side. It's against the wall somewhere. And I notice that it's there, just like you would a real chair. I walk by it every day. Sometimes, momentarily, I'll sit in it, but it's just kind of there. What happens, though, if it gets rearranged? What happens if it gets pushed right out into the center? Have you ever had anyone rearrange your furniture when you weren't expecting it? Because I have. (laughs) Actually, Jason's favorite, one of his favorite things to do is he'll be like, Hey, did you ever think about it? if we put the couch here? We put the, you know, nobody like, and, and I, I don't like change that much. It's not my personality. And I'll be like, no, I like it just like it is. Well, he doesn't say anything else. And then a few nights later, I go out with some friends. I come home late at night. The lights are off, and I'm walking through the living room to go upstairs and get ready for bed. And bam, I stub my toe on the leg of a coffee table that previously was not in that location. I turned the lights on. He has waited till I was gone and rearranged the entire living room. That's happened at least twice and possibly a third time, okay? So sometimes furniture gets rearranged and you weren't expecting it, right? And you are going about your business and before you know it, you have knocked your knee on a table leg or a chair. And sometimes in our minds, it's the same way. I can be going about my business, going through my day, and all of a sudden, before I know it, I am sitting in my breast cancer chair. That sounds funny, but you guys know what I mean, right? I am sitting uh, in that mindset, in that experience. And then the longer I sit there, everything that happens to me, I see from the vantage point of this chair. Does that make sense? So I filter 
my experiences, things that are said to me, things I hear, um, concerns I have get seen and thought about from that experience. And sometimes that can bring with it a lot of anxiety, you can imagine, a lot of fear, a lot of, and the longer I sit there, the more wedged in I get. Sometimes the harder it is to get up and move that chair back to where it should be. Because here's the thing, the chair's there. The experiences you have, the, the mental furniture that's in your life, it's a part of you. Even the, even the negative stuff, even the bad stuff, even though I didn't ask for that to happen to me, um, I wouldn't necessarily wish it away because it, God did stuff through it. It brought things in my life. It taught me. But I have to keep it in its proper place in my little mental living room. Does that make sense? So... If I camp out there, this becomes the biggest piece of furniture that I have in my room, right? And it shouldn't be. That's not its proper place. So what about you? What makes up your mental furniture? How often do you think about what you think about? How often do you kind of step outside it and go, wait a minute, where am I sitting right now? What attitude am I sitting in? What mindset have I decided to camp out. Have you ever, have you ever at your house camped out so long on the couch watching Netflix that eventually Netflix is like, are you still watching this? And then it like makes you question your life choices in that moment. You're like, are you judging me right now, Netflix? Yes, I have been sitting here for four hours, you know. Sometimes we just camp out. Actually, those days are the best days when you get to do that, but that's another topic. I won't be preaching on time management anytime soon. <laughs> okay, so how often do you just camp in a part of your mental living room that's really best for occasional use? Does that make sense? Sometimes you need to think about experiences that you've had or things you've been through. Sometimes you need to sit there for a minute, if for nothing else but to thank God that he brought you through it or that he used it in your life. It's going to be a part of your life. It's going to be a part of your living room. But you choose when and how long that you sit there. Now, when I was uh, putting this message together, I uh, was just doing a little Googling around and researching, and I found this quote from a Sherlock Holmes story about this very thing. Does anyone watch the new Sherlock? You know how he talks about his mind palace, which I think is hilarious. My mind is not really a palace. It's more like a one-bedroom studio apartment. I'm not Sherlock Holmes. But here's what he said, and if I could read it like Benedict Cumberbatch, I would, in my best British accent, but I can't. So I'm just going to read it to you, sounding like me. But imagine it as if I were. No, I really, that would be embarrassing. This is being recorded, so. So Sherlock Holmes says this, okay? And, I mean, we all know that he's amazing. He says, a man's brain originally is like an empty attic. And you have to stock it with such furniture as you choose. A fool takes in all number of every sort that he comes across. So the knowledge that might be useful to him gets crowded out or at best is jumbled up with a lot of other things so that he has difficulty in laying his hands on it. Now, the skilled workman is very careful indeed as to what he takes into his brain attic. How funny is that? I'm going to say, your brain attic, use that in conversation this week. In your brain attic, he will have nothing but tools which may help him in his work, but of these he has a large assortment, and all in the most perfect order. Okay, 
So even Sherlock knew, thank you, even Sherlock knew the mindsets, the attitudes we, we take on, they take up space in our minds. They become like furniture in our minds. So I love Sherlock. Who doesn't? But let's see what the Word of God has to say about mental furniture. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. Now, Paul here uses a little bit of a different... I'm using this as an analogy, obviously. I don't actually think you have a, a sofa in your brain. But Paul uses a different analogy, and we're going to read about that now. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. He says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So what I'm calling furniture today, mental furniture, Paul calls a stronghold. And I'm going to get into that in a moment. But, you know, often we as Christians... We read those verses above, and it talks about taking every thought captive. And I know I used to think that meant you had to just get rid of every negative thought and experience. To take it captive, I thought, meant that you had to, like, pretend like you weren't having it or, like, abolish it from your brain. And it took me a while, years actually, to realize that that's actually not possible. Have you ever tried um, to not think about something? Like if I say, whatever you do, do not picture a, you know, hippopotamus ballet dancing into this room and right up the center aisle. Whatever, I want you with all your power to not picture her with a little pink tutu on, pirouetting up the, I mean, we're all picturing it. You can't, it's impossible to not think about something. In fact, by trying not to think about it, you think about it even more. So when Paul talks about, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. He's not talking about trying to make it leave your brain. He's talking about putting it in the right context and holding it up against the, the word of God and the truth of God. So I talk about mental furniture. Paul calls it a stronghold. So the, the, in the original language, in the original Greek, that word stronghold is like a military fortress like a fort, and he talks about it being built up in your mind against Christ. Strongholds in our mind are meant to halt the power of the gospel and inhibit our relationship with God. Now, for example, and, and in the scripture, he says the strongholds set themselves up against the knowledge of God. Now, we all have experiences. We all have mental furniture. We all have things that have happened to us. Those things in themselves... And this is important. I want you to hear this. Those experiences and those things in themselves do not have the power in themselves to keep you from knowing God, to keep you from understanding God's love and truth in your life. My cancer in itself did not have that power over me until in some ways I begin to let it have that power over me. Until in some ways, I begin to let my experience cause me to question God's truth. And that's why I'm talking about what furniture is in your mind and how often are you sitting in it? Do you filter 
what happens to you through that piece of furniture. Does that make sense? So in itself, those things don't have the power to keep you from knowing God. But the weight and the power you give those experiences in your life can make them become what Paul calls a stronghold, a fortress against the love and power of God moving in your life. So think about your own piece of mental furniture, the thing that you find yourself dealing with. And I want you to ask yourself, do I let that become the main thing about me? When you talk about yourself, when people think about you, is that the one thing that they think of? Because if it is, then that could be an indication that, okay, maybe I've given this piece of furniture too much prominence in my living room, right? Maybe it needs to be pushed back against the wall a little bit. Paul writes in verse 3 and 4, We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. So when you and I submit our lives to Jesus, you know, when you come to Jesus for the first time, you bring with him, you bring with him your whole life. You bring to him your mental living room that's just full of jumbled furniture. The layout doesn't make sense. There's stuff that you trip over all the time that you run into that you stub your toe on. And Jesus comes in and changes your life. He renews your mind. We're going to talk about that in a moment. He rearranges things by his own power until there's order and there's peace in your mind. Now, I want to be clear here um, because we're talking about getting our own little mental living rooms in order. And this could very easily become like a motivational speech or like a self-help kind of talk where I'm like, just think positive and don't sit too long in negative attitudes. And there's a lot of value in that. And that's all true. However, this is not a self-help positive thinking message. This is about submitting your life, your mind, and your past to Jesus Christ. This is about taking your whole self along with everything you've experienced, everything you've been through, and putting it under the lordship of Jesus Christ, submitting it all to him. Because we could talk about tips for positive thinking all day, and there's great, that's great stuff and valuable. But the main thing that we have to ask ourselves is, Is my life ordered by the Lord? Have I given him those experiences? Have I submitted those things to him? Have I asked God to come into my mind, into my life, and reorder things and rearrange things? Does that make sense? So when we submit our lives to Jesus, his rule becomes um, supreme in our lives. So what do we do? What's the best thing to do to get our mental living rooms in order? Number one is truth and the word of God. That's why that scripture in 2 Corinthians 10 says that we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Paul says, this is like a military fortress in your mind, but I'm not, we're not sending battering rams in. We're sending in not worldly weapons. We're sending in the word of God, which has power to demolish strongholds, which has power to push that stuff back up against the wall to where you can think clearly, to where you can see things from a proper perspective and not be filtering it all the time. 
Romans 12, 2 talks about this as well. Because, you know, our instinct, just like when I was telling you earlier when I got the news alert last night about what happened in London, our instinct when we have a trauma or a bad experience is to just ignore it, right? We don't want to think about it. Nobody likes in being in pain. Nobody likes being uncomfortable. And so my tendency, and probably your tendency, is to just avoid that stuff as long as we can. That's not God's way for us. God wants to come in and rearrange things and renew our minds. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. What's the pattern of this world? To ignore it, to be in denial about it. And Paul says, don't do that. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, this is how you and I can live our lives with past experiences or difficulties and not have them consume us. Jesus can change your life. Jesus can change your life. It's not just so that you can, you know, go to heaven, although that would be enough, right? Jesus can change your life in the here and now, how you live, how you think, how you literally process what happens to you. When God renews your mind, rearranges things, it changes everything. So notice that the verse says, the power of God renews our mind, and then it says, then you can understand God's will. When, when the Spirit of God renews your mind and just helps you see your life differently, when you begin to filter your life or sit in a chair in your mind of God's goodness and love over you, instead of a chair of rejection, a chair of past trauma or, or something difficult that you've been through, you can see things from a proper perspective, and you can change where you're sitting. So if you picture your mind like a living room, modern contemporary or Tuscan or I don't know, whatever it is. I'm forgetting. I don't know. Mine is garage sale, garage sale chic. That's probably my decorating style. Picture your mind like a living room. Where are you sitting? What vantage point do you have? Is there a chair in your mind that even though you don't want to, you find yourself in time and time again? And before you know it, You've been watching a Netflix movie marathon in it. You know, you've been there for days, it feels like. Where are you sitting? And how is it affecting your perspective on what happens to you? Because as children of God and of people that walk with Jesus, we have a piece of mental furniture that ought to be supreme in our minds, right? That's in our identity as a son or a daughter of God. And that changes how you live your whole life. It changes how you see everything. It abolishes fear. It puts things that happen to you in the perspective of God loves me, and he's going to empower me to get through this and to walk through this. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Now, you wouldn't let a stranger march into your living room, rearrange furniture, bring in 
bring in pieces of furniture that you don't like and didn't ask for, take things that you do like and leave with them. You would never allow that to happen yet with our own minds, our own, what did Sherlock call them? Our own brain addicts, which I think is hilarious. We allow that to happen sometimes. We allow people that we don't even have relationships with or we know they don't even care much about it. We allow them to kind of march right in, rearrange things, say things that hurt our feelings, and then leave again, and we're left dealing with the mess, right? We have to guard our heart. It takes time. But you and I, over time, God is patient with us to teach us how and when to bring in new mental furniture into our lives, what to implement, what new mindsets, new attitudes to put in our minds so that we can live differently. And that happens over time as you read God's Word, as you spend time with other believers, as you just spend time in prayer. God transforms us. And if we will learn to sit there instead, our whole mental landscape can be transformed. So this is what Paul was talking about in Philippians 4. And we're we're about to close with this. He says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts. That means like a deliberate choice. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. So why am I talking about this today? Why did I make Jason shove this big armchair into the back back of our car with our three children when we came to church this morning? It's because I have been doing some thinking about what I am thinking about. And I have been doing some thinking about how I'm thinking about what I'm thinking about. And I think we all need to do that from time to time. I think we all need to think about what's going on in my mental living room. How is the furniture arranged? Where am I sitting most of the time? You know, I find that if something upsetting happens to me or I start to feel a little sorry for myself, before I know it, this experience, this breast cancer experience is pushed out in the middle of the room, and I find myself sitting here. And then self-pity comes, and then anxiety comes, and then before I know it, everything that happens to me is filtered through that experience. So what we all need to do, think about what you're thinking about and how you're thinking about it. And how can God renew your mind today? How can He take an experience that maybe you can't wish away. You can't pretend it never happened. It's a part of your life now. It's also a part of your testimony now. It's a part of how God brought you through, how you overcame. So can we let God put this thing back where it belongs? Maybe not in the center anymore, in its proper perspective. By God's grace and power, by submitting your life to Jesus, the landscape of your minds can be altered. You can live with peace. You don't have to pretend that that thing isn't there anymore. You can accept it as a part of your world and know that God's grace 
is over all of that. I want to just pray for us for a moment as we close. And I want to challenge each of us today. You may be a believer. You may have been walking with Jesus a long time. I became a Christian in the sixth grade. And this is, this is stuff I still have to ask myself. Is Jesus the Lord of my life? Is Jesus the Lord of that area? Or is he not? Because he can't be Lord of part of my life and not this part. And sometimes it's easy to let a new piece of furniture get moved into your mind and you haven't made Jesus the Lord over that yet, the Lord over that experience. Because if we believe that God is God, if we believe that God is love, then we have to believe He's powerful over everything, that He's in control over everything. And something may get plopped down right in the middle of your living room that you didn't ask for. Maybe it's a terrible floral pattern couch that you just do not know how to make work in your space, right? I watch too much HGTV, I'm sorry. Submit it to God. Trust Him. There are going to be things in our lives that we don't know what to do with and we didn't ask for. But God can arrange and order our lives to bring glory to Him. That's what we're here for, to bring glory to God, to make His name famous in our world. And before you know it, the things, the furniture in your mind that you didn't know what to do with and you don't know how to explain becomes a way that you can glorify Him. It becomes a way that I can sit in this chair now. I can talk from it and I can encourage other people who may have the same type of stuff in their lives. But that doesn't just come on its own. That doesn't just come with thinking happy thoughts. It comes with trusting Jesus with your whole life submitting it to him.